Good morning. Man, it is, it is good to be with you. We had a great first service. Um, man, I tell you what, it was good. We've seen a number of folks that uh, over the last couple of weeks, this has been the first time that they've been back with us, and it is really wonderful. Um, as a person who loves being around people, there's nothing worse than um, being in this room preaching when it's empty. No offense, Pastor Ben, because um, he's always in here with me, but uh, it is great to, to be here, uh, to be with you, to see fellowship, to see people able to, to connect with each other um, is really just an awesome, awesome thing. So thank you for, for being with us. Last week, we started a new series called The New Normal, and uh, I, I preached a message called The New Mindset, talking about the, the importance or the impact of having a positive attitude, especially when it comes to suffering and serving. And I'm really looking forward to the opportunity that we have to serve on Thursday. Um, in our first service, there was a first-time guest that was in our first service, and the, the guy walked right up to me as soon as the message was done, and he said, I want to sign up to volunteer at Feeding America. That was awesome. Um, so we're going to get a chance to rub shoulders with that person and, and to uh, hopefully invest in, in his life, and I'm looking forward to that very much. But we realize we can't change everything. If we could change everything, okay, I'm just going to tell you I would change last week. I'm just going to be really just brutally honest. I would change last week. I would change. I would change. I would. I might just say it just, you know, it just didn't happen. Um, and, and I say that at a very personal, just a personal note. But um, we can determine how we respond to things. And so um, we were, last week, what, what I talked about um, was that you can be the master of your attitude. And so we're, we're looking at this idea of new normal, looking at the idea of being able to, to control our own attitudes, to be the master of our own attitudes. And, and, and I believe that we can, we can choose for ourselves a new normal. But we have, to, we have to be willing to do that. And so the question today is, what do I need in order to make that, that new normal a reality in my life? And so today I want to share the next uh, part of our series, and it's called Renewed Purpose. So in order to create a new normal, we need a new mindset, but we also need a renewed sense of purpose. The word purpose is a noun and a verb. And so as a noun, uh, it's the reason why we exist, but as a verb, it's our intention or our objective. And so I think that they they really go well together. I think it's very applicable in, in the subject that we're talking about and that we need to reacquaint ourselves with the purpose, the reason why we exist, and when we connect with that purpose, it will then set our objective as as people, as individuals, as followers of Christ. And so uh, I want to look at what Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, when he writes, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. A renewed, uh, a renewed mind is transformative. When your mind changes, when your mind settles on something, when your mind um, grasps something and says, I, this is what I'm going to do, and, and it's solid, it can literally, that one, that one decision, that one change of mind can change your life. I mean, it can, it can change it. And so um, the, the idea of, of a mind that's transformed, or a mind that is, that is um, somehow renewed, it's, it's just, it, it can transform so much down the line. And a renewed sense of purpose then can transform our new normal. And so today what I want to do is talk about three things that I think we need to be convinced of in order to uh, be able to, to find a renewed sense of purpose in our lives. And where I'm going to start, I want you to hang on with me because it may seem very simplistic. It may be, seem very basic, but I really want you to, uh, to, to stick with me. And the first thing is this, that God made you. God made you. And, and I'm not talking about in a general sense. I'm saying God made you. Now, I have to admit that I really enjoy doing weddings. Um, and they are just one of the real benefits, the real joys of, of being in the ministry is getting to celebrate that moment with people. There's a number of uh, families that are in this room that, that I got to be there and got to, to officiate um, you know, on that day, and now you have kids taller than me, which is not in and of itself any big deal, but, uh, but I really love it. <clears throat> um, and uh, um, I, 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 I thoroughly enjoy it. I got to do a wedding um, where the, the wedding took place on the first tee box on a golf course. So the course had to shut down early and all the chairs and the arbor and everything are set up on the, the tee box on the first hole of the golf course. And it made total sense because the, the bride and the groom were both collegiate golfers and the groom is now um, a, uh, the golf pro at a country club. So it made total sense. <clears throat> and um, when, when, you know, people like me got married a bazillion years ago, we, you know, um, there was this part in the service where you had these candles that were lit. And um, uh, I, for some reason, Sherry, I just imagine you walking up and lighting candles. I saw you light candles so many times in these <laughs> services. Um, having the, the, the privilege of taking part in three, fa three weddings in your family. And, and so, uh, but now sometimes people want to do something different, and so you can't use candles, you know, when you're outside. And it actually was very windy that day that I'm talking about. And um, so rather than using candles to demonstrate the unity where you have two candles that are individually lit, and then you light the center candle, and then you extinguish the outer candles, and then one candle is the, the representation of the unified light. 
life because because Jesus said that the two become one flesh. Okay, so that's the symbol of it. Um, We were doing something outside. We were on a golf course, and I I said to the couple, I said, do you think that you could get um, a container of sand from the sand traps in your home golf course? And they both said yes. And so I said, well, then we need a third container, which is empty, and you'll dump the the sand from those sand traps into uh, that third container, and that's going to represent your unified life. It's not it's not from from one person's previous life. It's not from the other. It's both. It's brand new, and that's the picture of unity when when we we do the ceremony. <clears throat> and when I when I do this ceremony, um, and and I can um, I can say that every ceremony that I've done, I've I've talked about. The, the illustration or the, the, the fact that God ordained the marriage relationship. And, and he did it, um, when we read it, the, the account, he did it with Adam and Eve, and that literally the idea of marriage being ordained by God is on the heels of the... the um, I don't want to just say the story, but the, 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 the account of creation. So you have creation, and then immediately is the, 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 this marriage relationship being ordained by God. And as I talk about, um, as I talk about um, Adam and Eve, and as I talk about God ordaining marriage, and as I talk about God creating man and woman, I literally, some, there are some weddings I've had audible gasps that have, have happened, that people cannot believe, somebody cannot believe that I actually have mentioned this, you know, in, in the, the, the year 2020 or whatever the year was at that particular time, even though it's 2021 right now, I haven't done any weddings this year yet. So, but, but I talk about marriage and in Genesis chapter one, God says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And that is, I mean, it's just, on, it's just marriage is on the heels of this, this creation account, this creation story. And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And then we go to chapter 2 and verse 7, and it says that then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So in the text, we read that God created Adam out of a pile of dirt, okay, and uh, and and there there that's that says something to us, but he created woman out of the rib of the man, and that says something to us. But this is the story of creation, and and I wanna I wanna really make a a, a bold statement here that that um, if we have faith or if we don't have faith, 
in the story of creation, it impacts us right now, here today, in this subject, in this topic, in this moment, it impacts us. Because if we do not and cannot believe that God has created Adam and Eve as the scripture says he does, then how can we believe that God actually has made us, that he has created us? You see, uh, Adam and Eve, they were the first who were created, but they were not the, the last that God has created. Look at Psalm 139. Verses 13 and then 16. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. This tells us that God is active in the creation of every single person that's ever been born. Not just that God was uh, active in the story of creation with Adam and Eve, but he continues to be active. God continues to be a part, and that all, that everyone who has ever been um, conceived is, is conceived in the image and likeness of God. That you are not the result of a, a passionate moment between your biological parents. There's something more to it than that. In fact, all of humanity, all of, of the earth, everything that's on the earth, the, 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 the planets, the galaxies, the universe, the cosmos, okay? Let's look at all of that. It is not a result, okay, of, of some um, cosmic pod floating from another galaxy into our galaxy to be, to be what was necessary to create something um, from a big bang, okay? Because we all know that you can't create something out of nothing. So something was needed. So, so some say that there's this cosmic, you know, just stuff that fl pods that floated into our galaxy, giving, um, giving matter to this this big bang that would happen. What I'm saying is that the scripture says that God is active in the creation of every single thing. And that whether we believe it as an individual or not does not change the fact that God has created you. And he's created everything. And as far as humans, he's created us in his image and in his likeness from the moment of conception. This is why, as believers, we, we believe in and we we support the sanctity of human life because everyone at from the moment of conception and in the in the heart and mind of god it's it's even it even precedes that we are created in his image he's already had a plan the scripture said and in Psalm 139, before we were ever created, all of our days were, were written in his book. So in God's mind, God knew me before I was ever created. And it doesn't matter if I believe in him or not. 
the truth still remains that God has created us. And so from conception, we are made in his image. You know, people today, they're, they're so hard on, on themselves and they're, they're so, uh, they really get focused and caught up in their own failures. And it's, it's hard for them. And, and today we want to talk about this idea of renewing our purpose. And we have to, we have to allow ourselves uh, to, be, to, to be convinced. And we, we need to, you know, I think settle this once and for all that God made me. God made you. He created you. Now, in order, in order, you know, what happens is for us to, to do that, what happens when we become convinced that he has made us, then we can get to the next step, which is that God created you for a purpose, for a reason, that it wasn't just random. I love it. Now, you know, you hear a kid say, it's totally rando, you know, it's totally random. Um, have you ever wondered why God created you. You ever thought about that? You ever wondered that? Uh, in 1999, USA Today did a, a survey, and they, they asked the question, if you could ask God anything and get a direct and immediate answer, what would you ask him? And the overwhelming number one response was, What's my purpose? People want to know. They want to know what their purpose is. They want to know why they're here. They, they want to know what get, did God have in mind when he created me. And I want you to be convinced that you have been created with purpose. Because if, if, we, if we can be convinced of that, I, I believe then that we can say, you know what, I, I, I want a new normal in my life. And if God created me and he created me with reason, then he's created me for this new normal. And so I, 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 can, I, can, I can declare that. I can literally put that out there. Look at Colossians Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16, Paul says, For in him all things were created. He's talking about Jesus. For in, in him all things were created, things on, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So believing that God created you is only the first step. Once you believe that God has created you, now you can believe and fully be confident in the fact that he created you for a specific reason. It says all things, not just some things, not just those who believe in him, but all things are created by him and for him. In other words, for his purpose. We've been created for God's purpose. But what is that purpose? How do we ultimately find that purpose? Well, let me tell you about a guy whose name was Bill. And Bill um, grew up in a middle-class family. Uh, he lived in Evanston, Indiana. He was an athlete, uh, a pretty good athlete, 
but he was also a really good artist. And he wound up going to Notre Dame. He, he, he had the ability somehow to get into Notre Dame, and uh, that's a pretty big deal. And through his education there and through the school, he was actually able to extensively travel uh, in Europe during that time. And, and then it got time for him to really pick his career. And it came down to a couple of choices. One was a, a, a very lucrative decision, uh, a lucrative opportunity to um, work in a hospital, to be a therapist in a hospital system. And the other one was to be um, a management trainee in an, if, as an executive in one of the major airlines. And these were both really well-paying jobs. They would really set him up uh, for life. And before he accepted the job, uh, which one he was going to take, he decided to, to, um, to stop in at the church. And, and I can just imagine it being maybe an atmosphere like this where the lights aren't all the way up and probably came in and sat in the sanctuary. And while he was there, he, he felt like he heard God speak to him. And God told him that, and, and it was interesting because he said it three times, if, if you follow me, I'll lead, is essentially what he said. Three times. And he said, don't be afraid, but give all your trust. And so with that renewed sense of, of God speaking to him and somehow it affecting his purpose, he wound up not accepting either of the two jobs that he had interviewed for that, that he could have taken, but found himself being ready and willing to accept a call into the ministry. And he started out working with young people and Maybe it was his demeanor, maybe it was the gifts that, that, that he had or the talents that he had, but soon those in leadership in the church, they really thought that he would be good in reaching out to those who uh, were in gangs in the inner city. And he found himself working with the vice lords uh, and, and another group called the Gangster Disciples. And... He, he was kind of um, assigned an area, whether it was intentional or just found himself with that responsibility, where um, his mission field was a housing, um, a housing complex in the inner city of Chicago called Cabrini Green, which is infamously violent and filled with gangs. On 53 occasions in his life, uh, to the date of the article that I read, he had walked into scenarios where gunfire was um, was being was ringing out uh, in the situation, and on fifty three occasions he came out of that situation not having been hurt. The people in that housing complex, even those that are in the gangs, believe that God specifically sent. Bill, known to them as simply Brother Bill. He sent, God sent Brother Bill there. And that's why. That was his purpose. That was his calling. That God had that purpose. It was a long way from what he initially thought uh, was going to be his call in life. Paul says in Ephesians 
chapter 1, verse 11. In him we are also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Do you know that God, not only has he created you, he has chosen you. And he has chosen you for a very specific plan and purpose. And that that plan and that purpose is his plan. It is his purpose that he has ultimately chosen us for. And you might say to me, Kevin, you do not understand. You don't understand my life. You don't understand where I come from. Because when I grew up, I was not told that I was valuable. In fact, I was abused, you might say. As you're sitting there, you might be reviewing conversations that you had when you were a young person where you were told you were nothing, that you were not important, you were not valuable, you're stupid and you'll never amount to anything. You might have been abused physically, emotionally, some even sexually, but nothing that you ever received as a child made you feel like you were somehow worthy of being chosen. As an adult, maybe you've been left by a spouse. Maybe you've been told that you're, you're not even worth working for. You're not even worth trying for to keep this relationship going. But I want you to know that God has chosen you. He's chosen you for a purpose. You say, you don't understand. My, my folks weren't even married. And my dad left my mom when I was young. You, that, it, could be, it could be something like that. And the, the reality is that those terrible circumstances don't change the fact that God made you and that he's chosen you for a specific purpose Jeremiah 29, 11. We, we've read this verse many times. I mean, this, this, this verse gets a lot of, of, you know, play in our lives, and it should, where Jeremiah says, for I know this is God speaking through Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So it doesn't matter what your past has been. It doesn't matter how bad it is, how messed up, um, you may think you are, how messed up others may say you are. It, that does not matter. What matters is that God created you. He made you. He made you for a purpose. He chose you. And in order to discover this new normal, we've got to renew that sense of purpose. And that purpose is always going to glorify God. You say, how do I know if I'm, if I'm doing the right thing? How do I know if I'm, if I'm in the right purpose? The answer is, you'll be glorifying God. Your life will be bringing glory to God. And, and that can happen for each and every one of us. We don't, we don't have to change our profession in order to glorify God. But as we, as we engage in that purpose. We're going to bring glory to God. When I was a kid, 
when I was in elementary school, I remember a kid. I remember a kid named Mike. It was, I think it was about a year and a half ago. Um, we're driving through um, my hometown of Janesville, and we had some of the younger kids in our family um, with us, and we were showing them, you know, all sorts of stuff from town. I, I, I don't go back to Janesville much, so that was really fun for me. And we drove by the house that we grew up on the south side of Janesville, and we drove uh, to the elementary school that I attended. It was it was actually it was awesome. I mean, to pull pull back in that parking lot, and that school was so small. You know, it seemed like it should have been really big because when I was a kid, it seemed big. And I, I took a second and even did some things on that asphalt playground that I did when I was a kid. Just, it was weird. I just had to do it, you know. Um, and, and I remember a kid that, that was in my, my grade, uh, like fifth and sixth grade. We were in the same classes together, I think, the same class together. His name was Mike. Mike Lexa. Never forget it. And... Um, Mike was the best athlete in school. He was a good student. I remember, I remember him being really good in math, like as early as maybe the third grade. I, this guy is smart. He's, he's the best athlete in our school, and all the girls liked him. I remember thinking that one girl was kind of special in school, and she liked him. So obviously every girl had to like him, you know. But I, I remember coming home from school one day. I can still remember sitting in the chair in the living room and being pretty upset. And I said to my folks, I just can't do it. I can't compete with this guy. I mean, I, I loved, I, you know, the, the joke about, you know, your favorite class is gym. That was my favorite. That was my favorite class. I, and any time it was competition, I just loved it. And I remember when they would have us run, I was always trying to chase the back of his head. He was, he played minor league baseball. Guy was an incredible athlete. And I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't compare. I was so frustrated as a, as a young kid. Now you know why I've got the problems that I've got, right? Because even as a young kid, I, you know, I was already getting messed up. But I, I mean, I was like, I was upset. I was discouraged because I felt like I didn't, I wasn't good enough because I could never beat this guy. And when we compare ourselves to other people, what do we do? We, we think we're never good enough. We think we, we can never stack up. We're never, we're never as good as they are or as good as we ultimately want to be, and we start to focus on our failings and our shortcomings. Look at what Jesus said in John chapter 15 and verse 16, the first part of the verse. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. I want to remind you that God chose you, and he selected you to accomplish his 
purpose. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Paul says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So God chose you, he equips you, and he selected you to accomplish his purpose and his plan. And he's going to get the glory for it. But I got to tell you something. I want you to I want you to get this and I want you to really hear me now, okay? God does not care about your ability. Because if he did, Mike Lexa would be his favorite. I'm being serious. God does not care about your ability. God cares about your availability. That's what he cares about. When we live out God's purpose, when we live out God's plan, not ours. See, we, we, we want to be created, we want to be chosen, and then we want to live out our purpose. Right? Let's, let's just face it. That's, that's some of what we want to do. But when we begin to live out his purpose and his plan, we bring him glory. We're his choice. We're using the abilities that he has given us, and we're doing it to accomplish his plan. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10.31 in the second half, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. You might say, I'm not there yet. I just don't know if I'm there yet. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm in no condition to be able to, to somehow do something to, to accomplish God's plan. Don't worry about it. Don't, don't panic. None of us are, are done. Paul said, he said, you know what? I, I'm not done. Having, I've not obtained it myself. But in Philippians, he said in chapter 1, verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He's not finished with you yet. He's going to complete it. He's just not done yet. God made you. And he made you with a specific purpose in mind. In fact, so specific that no one else may be able to carry it out. It may be that specific. And he empowers you and he enables you. And as you step into that purpose, as you step into that plan, he is going to be glorified. As we close this morning, I just want to pray for you, and you may be, you may be struggling to, to think that, that God could ever do such a thing in your life, that he could ever use you, that you could ever be that important. So let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. And, and Father, I, I, just, I, I pray that right now that even though the world may be speaking a loud message into our hearts and minds that we're not worth it, that we're failures, that we don't measure up. Father, I pray that right now the voice of your Holy Spirit would speak clearly, even though softly, and just say, 
God made you. And he made you for a purpose, his purpose, his plan. And as you carry that out, God's going to get the glory. Before I close, if, if today you're struggling with that sense of, of purpose, with that sense of that God created you for a purpose and you find yourself discouraged, you find yourself maybe not knowing what it is or wondering if you measure up. Wondering because you compare yourself with other people and you don't like what you see and that's you and you're struggling as we close. I just want to pray with you and, and if that's you, just slip your hand up so that I can know and I can pray for you and encourage you if you find yourself struggling in that. Father, I thank you. I thank you. about the plan that you have for us. I pray that that as we go about our day today, that it will not just be, oh, that was, it was good to, you know, to be with people today. It was good to be in church. But Father, may we walk away in awe that God created us and that he has a plan for us and that he'll get the glory as we step into that plan. Father, I thank you and I praise you because of that. In Jesus' name we pray.